0: A reminder to our insurance brokers that this podcast is eligible for half a CPD point from NEBA. Stay tuned until the end of the episode for details on where you can go to generate your CPD certificate. At NTI, we know only too well that transport and logistics incidents are inevitable. But what we also know is that it's often how we respond and learn from these incidents that can reduce them from happening over and over again. And that's something that NTI's risk engineers discuss frequently in their day-to-day work and in the field with operators. Today I'm going to be joined by two of NTI's risk engineers to chat about the importance of thoroughly reviewing incidents and digging deeper into their root causes so that businesses can learn and understand what's happened to take away valuable lessons to improve their operations. We're going to be talking about some of the approaches and methodologies that our risk engineers share with these businesses, including the importance of post-incident reviews, or PIRs. So with that, please join me in welcoming two of NTI's risk engineers. Firstly, our
1: logistics risk engineer, Kurt Herron, a regular on the show. Thanks, Luke. I'm actually uh, pretty happy to be back. It's been a a few months. I didn't know if I was getting another gig. And uh, you've brought... Paul, along with you today, Paul Bresson, NTI's Heavy Motor Risk Engineer. Welcome, Paul.
2: Thank you.
0: I'm going to kick off with you. I've heard a lot in the lead up to this podcast uh, about PIRs. Start off by telling me what a PIR is.
2: Well, a PIR is a post-incident review. Um, Generally speaking, there'll be a lot of different definitions that people may have in regards to what a... um, a uh, post-incident review is. However, uh, in simple terms, it's it's a process that we go through to understand uh, why an incident or an event has happened. So we can simply uh, learn from from uh, what has happened and hopefully avoid it happening again.
0: And so Kurt, is that why it's so important that we we hear so much about it? It's about the learning?
1: It is about the learning, but the, the big action that I think I, I want to put forward is it gives you the opportunity to go past the obvious answer. So when you have an incident, it's quite easy to be able to assign a reason behind them, but the obvious answer is not necessarily the correct one. So it, get, it gets the opportunity to go past that obvious answer to find the true root cause, and then to be able to in, uh, enact uh, corrective actions to basically do what Paul said. And, uh, and do the best to stop that incident happening again.
0: And so both of you in your, your roles uh, are often out speaking with transport and logistics businesses, uh, many of whom have had incidents. What are we seeing in time in, in terms of PIRs? Is it something that's commonly done? Is it something we need to do more of?
1: Um, I guess Paul will probably be able to put a bit more detail to it, but it, it's being done, but it seems to be being done more informally. And it's done based off the back of the people in the business's experience, uh, which is predominantly very heavy transport related. Um, And it's it's done based off their own preferences and their own experience throughout that business.
2: Yeah, certainly I I agree with uh, what Kurt has just said. It it is certainly an individual choice uh, and the reasons for the choice to be able to conduct a, a post incident review, um, as I said, it, it can vary. Um, what I tend to see in industry, um, you know, the larger carriers do tend to have the luxury of having a a risk engineer or a who's a HUSO, workplace health and safety um, uh, person, whereas you know the smaller carriers, the the, uh, the smaller family owned businesses, they sometimes don't have that luxury. So, um, you know. They do tend to, uh, you know, stray away from those incidents, and um, and the investigation, and they they will f- tend to float around just um, once they identify the basic cause. Um, that tends to be a- enough for them. Where certainly it's uh, it's very important to keep really deep diving into that incident. Um, uh, you know, it, asking the question a lot of the times. You know, the, there's a there's a process in place called the five whys. Uh, each time you ask yourself uh, a question, you know, ask why. But I guess um, you know I'm digressing a little bit here. But uh, as, as to what Kurt said before, it is certainly um, more so on availability of, of staff to be able to do that uh, that incident report and investigation. And the time that it takes, uh, generally, it, it can involve the, uh, the, the branch manager, say, for example, who might uh, be a driver himself or herself. Um, it's one of those things that uh, it, it can be a bit of a hit and miss approach, as can the, uh, the how in depth they've gone into that incident report.
1: It's, it's important to, to also consider what needs a post-incident review. Luke like not every single incident requires you to go back and review it and I think a a lot of and I I think we'll talk about it a little bit is understanding what that process is going to be and how much resourcing you you know attribute to that Um, even the the larger end of town will quite happily tell you that they don't uh, investigate everything and I think if you were to investigate a, a finger being jammed in a door you'd be backed up in paperwork you know, well until the Broncos win the next premiership. So it's it's about being realistic, you're saying, Kurt? Absolutely.
0: So to give us some context, uh, talk us through what are, what are the steps involved in, in an effective post-incident review? What does it look like practically?
1: I think, and this is what I kind of alluded to before, I think before you even look at what the post-incident review step is, is you need to have a plan about that post-incident review. So understanding what you will investigate. Is is your focus uh, heavily safety? Is your focus high value and high risk activities? Um, You know, how you will actually review it, um, when, where it will be reviewed and in what format. And once you define those parameters, you'll be able to go through and say, how will we allocate success to this post-incident review? How are we going to review the review, which I know scares a lot of people, but it's something that you do have to do. Um, and then whilst you may not have a post-incident review for everything, understanding what needs your time gives you the opportunity to allocate those resources because small incidents may not be uh, a huge focus, but a multiple of small incidents can be you know, the lead up to a large one. Sure. Paul... In your work, take
0: us through what some of the steps are. What does a a PIR document within a a business look like?
2: Uh, Initially, it'll start with an investigation report, or or my apologies, an incident report. Uh, It's important that um, whoever's involved in that incident does actually get the information straight away. So the sooner the driver, say, for example, can be interviewed... The 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 um the more likely it would be that the information is going to be correct. So, so ensuring that um, you know the investigation and the incident report is is commenced within it, within a timely manner uh, to obtain the correct information uh, when it's fresh in someone's mind is is pretty much the first step.
0: And that's really about getting the details, is it? When, where, how, all of those.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, so, it's, it's about identifying what happened uh, to the best of anyone's ability or to that investigative team as to, uh, to what's occurred. It's no point leaving it till days or weeks later that information will be lost. So, very important that you start off with a good detailed incident report as to what's happened, uh, how it's happened. Uh, and then you can drill down on that information a little bit later on when you go to uh, developing the, the incident investigation.
1: That's where um, technology that's coming through now is absolutely invaluable. Um, Telematics systems, braking systems, stability control, cameras, all of those facets provide uh, an, a different perspective. Uh, away from the actual persons involved or external witnesses. So having that additional technology is absolutely invaluable in conjunction with, with your actual report. So it's about putting it all together,
0: every, every source of available information. Paul, I've got something here about uh, that you apply root cause techniques as part of that, that process. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Uh, well, the root cause is just a process that um, the investigator can go through to ensure uh, the relative or, or, or most reliable information is, is actually provided. So um, you know, people is uh, one of those steps that you would go through. So identifying what's occurred in regards to the person involved in the accident or the incident. Uh, from there, you'll look at environments, um, whether it was raining at the time, whether it was, um, had been raining, um, any uh, you know, maybe heat conditions that the, that the driver was uh, exposed to. You'll look at the equipment, so was the equipment um, uh, the right equipment for the job? Was it maintained properly? Uh, we'll then go to looking at uh, procedures. So, was there a procedure around the task involved in conducting that um, that delivery or that or that pickup or, or um, the, the the transport operation at the time? Um, so, yeah, procedures is certainly one of the uh, one of the things that I think a lot of um, companies don't look up, don't look into when it uh, comes into a um, comes to a, an incident report. And finally, you know, looking at the organisation itself, you know, what are the values of that organisation? Uh, very important to the um, uh, components of, of investigating.
1: I oh, actually, um, funny you should say that, the, the procedures and the culture, uh, a funny story of a, of a uh, let's just say a customer that I spoke to, um, they had to, their last policy that they changed was because a person broke their foot getting out of a forklift. And once they did the post-incident review, what they found was that the driver in question had actually exited the forklift while it was still rolling in order to grab something and not have to stop the forklift. Now, the policy they changed, believe it or not, was you must stop the forklift before exiting the forklift. And whilst it's not necessarily the most ingenious policy change in the world, what it did highlight to me was that the back end of that incident review is why did that forklift driver feel like they had to get out of a moving forklift to maintain the efficiency or maintain their, their uh, operational rate or whatever. So it gave the opportunity to get that background behind uh, the culture and the processes as well. So it can be quite minute. But in terms of understanding why people are doing it, like we said, the five whys and the root cause, that's how you develop that, by digging deeper past that obvious answer that the driver did something he shouldn't have and find out why did he do it the way he did. So once uh, that process has has happened and and, uh, a
0: business is aware of what's happened and why it happened, what do you commonly see in terms of how they communicate that within their business?
2: Generally speaking, um, it is difficult for businesses to communicate uh, key findings and key learnings uh, across their, um, their fleet of drivers, and, and that can be for a number of, of reasons. Um, first thing is split shifts. Not everyone starts at the same time. Um, not everyone has access to technology so there is a heavy reliance on um, technology such as mobile phones or you know, the old-fashioned notice board. Um, but it's important to communicate the key learnings to everyone involved in that incident and, and the wider community within that business um, because if, if, if there is an understanding as to what's happened then there won't be any improvement. But certainly, the 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 way or the method that uh, that communication occurs can be varying based on uh, what is the most easiest for the business to be able to undertake. Uh, generally speaking, toolbox talks, uh, safety talks, safety alerts are being communicated. Uh, maybe the business has a, a central data point where. Where they can communicate uh, their key findings on something like an intranet site or, or, or something of that uh, nature. But um, you know, do drivers have access to the, to those systems? Uh, generally speaking, they don't. Maybe they have a in cab tablet where communication happens um, through to. But again, it, it depends on what's available to that business. And and from what you see, Kurt, I'll I'll turn to you. Is that normally? Taken
0: well by drivers, that type of communication, or does it lead to some really difficult conversations?
1: Most, most drivers, most employees, most operators take on safety notices at face value. Uh, you'll you'll always have the element that, you know, through whatever reason, whether it's belief, whether it's overconfidence, will come to that conclusion that it's not about them; it's about the others but predominantly most employees, particularly when it's around their safety, will accept and really uh, get involved in safety initiatives. Sometimes it can end up as safety for safety's sake, and that's what an effective post-incident review will actually eliminate. The fact that we're going to add a procedure or add a process because that's what we think should be. So we need to acknowledge that Accidents just happen sometimes. They, they are 100% inevitable. If we could find a way for zero accidents 24-7, 365, it would be fantastic for safety. So once we've gone through and, and looked at the root causes um, in a, a post-incident
0: report, what have you seen in your experience in terms of implementing corrective actions? What are the types of actions that we see within businesses uh, in your experience?
2: Again, it, it will depend on the the, uh, the incident itself and the consequence of the incident. As Kurt said before, um, you know, incidents are inevitable, they will happen from time to time. Um, I try to take the approach where, yes, that is correct. So. Um, I like to try and target the consequence. So if we can can minimize the consequence, um, that's certainly a step in the right direction. But um, it's also important to make sure that there's a consultative process behind identifying what that root cause is. Um, It's it's a little unfortunate that um, in a lot of cases, uh, the leadership teams may do and undertake that investigation and they're not involving the people that actually are involved with the incident, say, for example, the, the driver in, 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 a, in a case of an on-road incident. So that cons- consultation process is certainly um, an important aspect of it. And the driver knows probably more than anyone how that, that role should be conducted or that task should be conducted. They have a lot of resources. They have a lot of ideas, So bringing the driver into any investigation process is certainly important and and they will be able to, in most cases, be able to to provide some assistance into what those uh, corrective actions should be.
0: So Kurt, I'll I'll turn to you. Um, Have you seen any examples of really poorly done
1: PIRs and, and what came of those? So the, the short answer is yes. Um, I've, I've seen examples of where poorly, uh, poorly done post-incident reviews have been a part. Um, I can give you an example. It, call it a generic transport company. Um, a particular vehicle had rolled on a highway and everyone, everyone was safe in the end. It was fine. Um, truck and trailers weren't so happy. But when the discussions around the post-incident review came... The answer was, why did the truck roll? Because the driver fell asleep. And that was as far as they'd got. The driver fell asleep. That was the reason, let's move on. So when the question was broached, um, you know, did anybody conduct with the driver? Was he fatigued? And the answer was, it was the start of his shift, so he couldn't be tired. But nobody went any further to try and delve into, like we said before, past the obvious answer – and into the real root cause. Was it something at home? Was the driver not sleeping well? Did he have a second job somewhere else? It's those additional questions like Paul said with the five whys that bring up the actual root cause and enables that business to do something about it. So with this particular example, that was as far as it went and they weren't even uh, inclined to go any further. They had no intention to dig any deeper. The driver had fallen asleep. The truck had rolled. As far as they were concerned, it was beyond their control, and they moved on. And so that obviously meant that there weren't going to be any new policies or procedures for that business to, to no, stop it from no happening correcting, again. no corrective actions, no, uh, not even policy changes. Just uh, process and discussions. You know, if you don't know the full root cause, you can't communicate in better ways through the business. So they had come to that conclusion and that's where it stayed. And I guess there's there's also another one and it's not necessarily uh, poor, but it's a different mentality of how these post-incident reviews were done. So in, in this instance, uh, probably a mid-range transport company had had a, a number of incidents, when I say a number, two or three, of significant damage to vehicles and the cargo they were carrying. And the post incident reviews were informal and conducted by the owner of the business. Now, the owner of the business had the best intentions for the business, but had firmly believed that with his 45 plus years in the industry, it was them and them alone who would make these decisions. So there was no additional eyes uh, added to the panel. There was no uh, different perspective. It was ran through the documentation, listened uh, to the driver interviews over those different incidents and had come up with a root cause. So even though the root cause probably was correctly identified, the the focus that the other staff weren't in a position to give... Uh, bounce an idea off or change the perspective means that there is that possibility that they didn't get to the true root cause. And it's that unconscious bias in their own expertise and their own experience that they've come up with a root cause and then communicated uh, learnings to the business and corrective actions that may or may not actually change their performance. And Paul, I'll turn to you. I I know that there's
0: so many post-incident reports and reviews that are done well. Uh, have you got an example you can share with us?
2: Uh, firstly, I, I think I'm, I might speak to uh, a few of the more common types of incidents that I've seen in the past rather than than one of the success stories. Um, and, and this uh, speaks to why incident uh, investigations are important. Uh, there was an incident uh, uh, several incidents with uh, I should say with uh, with the drop trailer uh, drop trailer is simply the um, uh, the trailer has been lost from the from the prime mover usually there's a failing in the turntable or the the driver or the um, uh, fleet operator has has failed to secure it properly ha- hasn't done the the applicable what they call a tug test in in the industry to ensure that the actual trailer is locked into the uh to the fifth wheel or, or the turntable you know a number of occurrences have uh, have happened in the past where um, the first example i'll give is a uh, a driver that has um, he's his exited his vehicle and he's uh, climbed onto the back of the prime mover to uh, remove the uh, the Susie lines. And, and basically what's happened, the, the truck has started to roll down the hill, uh, down the embankment and eventually crashed through the fence line over the um, retaining wall, dropped about three or four metres onto a major roadway. The investigation found that the driver had actually failed to... the the park brake on. Um, There was uh, further investigations, the park brake alarm didn't come on. Following the investigation it was found that the the driver had purchased this vehicle because he was a subcontractor. He didn't like the sound of the park brake alarm so he disconnected it himself. Um, Not long after uh, a, a similar occurrence on the driveway of a private residence Again, it was immediately uh, discovered or, or thought that uh, it was, again, driver error. Park brake alarm wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, applied and subsequently the, um, the rigid vehicle drove down the driveway. It was later... Uh, determined that it was again driver failure, but in this case, after investigating that specific incident, it was determined to be a, an actual mechanical fault uh, with that model of that vehicle. So, again, you can't just predict without investigation of what the uh, what the incident will be. You have to in- investigate every incident because a small a small difference can really be the um, difference between the right corrective action being addressed as to the wrong corrective action being addressed. So,
0: Paul, where have you seen positive change come out of PIRs?
2: Uh, Positive change, um, it's really good when when we do actually um, come across positive change from our clients. Um, You know, and and worked with a client about 12 months ago. Um, They were experiencing a number of rollovers, um, you know, prior to the actual assessment that we undertook with the client. They had previously experienced about uh, two to three rollovers uh, per year. Um, So we went in and and it was actually determined that the the client uh, didn't have the skill set to be able to Go in and investigate the incident. Uh, they weren't uh, weren't uh, deep diving into the into the the root cause of the incident. Um, pretty much, the the root cause was what they identified as being, um, you know, the incident was because the truck rolled over. Well, they didn't really go into the the aspect as to why it rolled over. So. Being able to speak to them and give them some information on investigations, they were able to, over a 12-month period, substantially reduce their frequency rate of incidents simply because they were investigating incidents and um, identifying what the root cause, and so they were able to identify and implement the procedures needed to reduce the frequency rate of, of incidents.
1: I actually had a look at that customer with, with Paul recently on the just on the computer and the benefits purely of structuring your post-incident review and actively trying to get to that real root cause, not the obvious one, show, and this customer showcased exactly how that works and how much it is, they are better off for it, not only of their own safety and efficiency but also in their you know their claims performance here with us as well.
2: Yeah, and they're certainly uh, continuing to focus on the journey that they're on to continue and, and develop their skill set around the uh, around the incidents. Um, uh, the more they do, the better they understand the incidents, and and the better they get at um, investigating incidents.
1: I'd, I'd like to make a point as well um, that whilst today on on the podcast. Our examples and our discussions are really driven around transport. One of the things that I want to put forward is that post-incident reviews are significantly important to all businesses. So we have a number of industries that we insure, plant and equipment, cargo, a lot of those, uh, even you know, liability. Uh, it's really important to be done across it. So whilst we give transport examples because we see a large number of transport industries in what we do day to day. It's. It, I would be remiss if I didn't say that these are just as important in all the other sectors of business as they are in the transport examples that we give.
0: It's a great point, Kurt. Have, have you got an example from a, a cargo PIR that you could share with us?
1: It's funny. A lot of the customers we see don't necessarily have PIR uh procedures. So a lot of them are done based off external providers, things like marine surveyors that will go in after an incident for cargo per se. What a lot of people do do is take the marine surveyor documents and work on learnings and resolutions from those. So the actual post incident review process from a cargo perspective may not take that standard form that we talk about, but the processes of understanding the cause of an incident, and then implementing changes are there. Um, We do have examples of that. I'm working currently uh, with a cargo customer of ours who had a specific trend during importing of their cargo of moisture. So we worked on different opportunities and we're still working on how well the outcomes are going, uh, of using desiccant bags, which are you know moisture absorbing bags, changing the actual checklists at origin, so the supplier is providing photos and information and data of the condition of the containers and the cargo at the time of loading. From that, they're now working towards understanding the best times of year to ship their product where they can, the high risk regions, the high-risk areas, and from that they will develop their corrective actions. So there are different ways to do it. Um, but the the point is is to have an effective process when you do them.
0: So one thing I think it's really important that we we touch on for our listeners is really going through the the benefits to a business of uh, a post-incident report and, and review. Kurt, I'll start with you. Take us through some of those key benefits
1: to a business that you see. So the first one I wanna put forward may sound a bit wishy-washy, but it's something that I really believe in, and it's the fact that you can establish a blameless culture within your business. So rather than finger-pointing and saying whose fault is it somebody has to be accountable for this, it's about trying to find the emphasis on safety and efficiency how can we make our operations safer? How can we make them more efficient? And if, or not if, when an incident occurs, how do we learn from that and push it forward? So it's a really good process to make that fact that our focus is on safety and efficiency, not on the finger pointing side. Now, Paul, we cut you off there. You had a couple of other benefits for a PIR as well.
2: The purpose is to, or the benefits, is to make sure that the actual root cause of an incident has been identified and it helps us to provide a platform for a safer operation or ongoing procedures moving forward post that incident. Uh, It also provides uh, another layer uh, of knowledge for the business that they can uh, again implement uh, down the track, and to further enhance and support other operational risks that uh, or similar operational risks that might uh, appear in
1: the business. The other the other aspect I would like as well, or that I want to put forward, is that an effective post incident review will usually have a panel of people. Now, how many of that panel is is up to your own resourcing and the size of your business, but. The flip side of that is, is that I would never walk into a transport company or a cargo company with a senior manager who's been there 45 years and try and tell them that I know more than they do. But the ability for someone to bounce off a devil's advocate style of of discussion to say that, okay, is that the root cause though? And add those five whys. You know, continue that discussion to say that different perspective, the, the whether it's an operations person in that and it versus a manager, it gives that opportunity to come up with that root cause. It's thought diversity. 100%. 100%.
0: So, Paul, if our listeners today want to know more about PIRs, where can they go for more info or what can they look at?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, I think for our clients, um, it's always good to communicate with their respective broker in the first instance. Uh, from there, you know, we're here, Kurt and I are here to be able to, uh, to support any questions, to provide any, any learnings on, on how to conduct investigations. Um, you know, there, there's a number of resources that uh, can also be utilised. I'm very um, familiar with uh, um, a process called ICAM. Um, it, it's it's a quite detailed investigation.
0: So what does that stand for, ICAM?
2: ICAM stands for Incident Cause Analysis Method. Uh, it's it's a process that uh, can be delivered. There's a there's a lot of different providers out there that that can um, yeah. deliver that methodology of incident investigations.
0: Kurt, I heard you mention another, another acronym before
1: as a resource, PIPO. Is that right? <laughs> it is. It is. And it, it's, it's fun to do, even more fun to say. Um, <laughs> look, it's, and it stands for you know, people, environment, equipment, procedures, organisation. So it's really a process of how to best collect your data, for your uh, incident reviews and your investigations. Uh, It's just one of those extra added elements of structure so that you know what to follow, how to follow it. Um, You know The ICAM people, it's something that we recommend to a lot of our customers to investigate whether they want to follow the structure and or in the terms of ICAM do the certification, but they're great resources uh, to have. Um, In terms of getting started, LinkedIn, there are so many articles on LinkedIn and across all of the internet on the basics of an effective post-incident review, and it's very, very simply written, very simple to understand, and from a perspective of mine, it feels like it's a very easy to implement structure. And it's all about starting somewhere, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, I've certainly learned something today, guys. Thank you very much for, for joining us and talking all things post-incident review. Uh, great to have you on NTI Spotlight.
1: Thank I'm you really excited. Spotlight.
2: Thank you. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank You're you always excited,
0: Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Luke. Thanks again for listening to NTI Spotlight. For insurance brokers looking to generate a CPD certificate for this episode, please visit partner.nti.com.au forward slash PIR podcast. That URL again is partner.nti.com.au forward slash PIR podcast. This podcast is general only and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. You should obtain your own professional advice based on your personal circumstances. Our insurance is subject to limits and exclusions, and when making decisions about our insurance, consider the product disclosure statement and target market determinations available from nti.com.au. NTI is not responsible or liable for your use or reliance on the information in this podcast.